Welcome to the Wrestling Travel Review Review. My name is Danny and I'm joined by the host of our lockdown sessions, Justin Clapper. And we're also joined by SP3 from True Heel Heat. How are you doing today, SP3? I'm doing great, Danny. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I do my usual intro. It's me, it's me, your True Heel Phenom, SP3. Back with the good fellas from Wrestling Travel. So happy to be with you guys and talk some wrestling. It's beautiful. That's all we want. We can finish this episode now. <laughs> yeah, I, need, Justin, I need to work on my intro. Well, it's me, it's me, it's JC. You're, I like hey. it. <laughs> no, I'm doing great, guys. Great. Coming off of uh, what we call a blockbuster weekend in wrestling with with two quality pay-per-views, two pay-per-views, two events. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about it. Two and a half, maybe. Um, but, yeah, let's start with Saturday night's um, pay-per-view from Impact Wrestlamiversary. There was a huge build-up um, for that event with uh, a lot of teasers for surprises, debuts and returns. Um, SP3, what was your thoughts coming out of the pay-per-view on Saturday? Uh, my thoughts on the show, it was a very strong show and a great representation of the promotion and where they're at right now. They have a whole bunch of young up-and-coming stars, but you know they have this influx of talent that were from the WWE releases that they had to highlight here and present in different ways. Uh, some of the, those surprises hit a little bit better than the others, but it was a very strong pay-per-view altogether, in my opinion. Perfect. And Justin, what was your thoughts? I loved it. I was hyped about it going in. You know, I've been a fan of Impact uh, since we did the road to Bound for Glory. Um, it's, they've been hard to find here on television in the USA in the last few years, but um once i found them i was hooked with what they're doing i always love alternative uh very hyped uh just to echo what uh svp is saying that um the fact that um i just set my siri off over here sorry she probably wants to say something um but yeah just the fact that combining the stars that they already have they're up and coming with this influx of talent was gonna be a difficult task but i think they did a hell of a job yeah, I absolutely agree with both of you there. Like we said, they've uh, built it up very nicely. And coming out of that event now, there's uh, a lot of intrigue, a lot of excitement surrounding the uh, the promotion. So it's uh, a very exciting time for them. Um, but looking back at the event, what was your favorite moment um, from the event? SP3, we'll start with you. My favorite? Or if you have more than one moment. Okay. <laughs> well, the probably the three things that stood out the most to me was uh, three would be the Chris Bay versus Willie Mack uh, match because Chris Bay so talented and he was like really one of their key acquisitions before these uh, WWE releases came into play. Uh, he's a guy that Cody Rose has praised very well, and he said that AEW had their eye on. So it was a big coup for uh, Impact to grab up. Chris Bay, and they took advantage of that by placing the X Division title on him. Him and Willie Mack made a good, a good X Division style match. Like it was the X Division that I grew up loving with uh, TNA, and we got it here with Impact Slammiversary. And Chris Bay is just so innovative in the ring. He's very smooth in the ring, and he's a nice mix of like Swerve Scott meets Amazing Red. So uh, that's the best way I could describe Chris Bay for anyone that hasn't seen him before. Uh, two would be the very strong title matches at the end of the night for the Impact Knockouts Championship between Jordan Grace and Deanna Ferraza. Those two ladies just, they, they rocked the house. That was the match of the night, in my opinion. Just a really great story and a really great difference between the two. The power and strength of Jordan Grace versus the, the technique and the submissions of Deanna Ferraza. And Deanna focused on the, the arm the entire match. And at the end, it made sense because that's how she got the win. She put the arm bar on. Everything that that happened in the beginning made sense at the end of the match. That is storytelling in professional wrestling. And the five-way was just nonstop action. And I got a spotlight out of all the five men in that match. 
uh, Eric Young. Eric Young has been in WWE for so long, and it made people forget that Eric Young is a great performer. He's a great in-ring worker, and he proved that in this five-way, and he did great storytelling as well with his talking trash to Rizwan. Like, I'm the real surprise. You're the lower card surprise. I love that. That was awesome. And number one is, of course, all the surprises. It was a night full of surprises. Some hit like uh, like Heath Slater, Heath Slater coming out, Heath, or the, the artist formerly known as Heath Slater, now Heath. Him coming out, Rohit Raju interrupting him, kind of kept him in the same lower card position he left WWE in. But then you had somebody like EC3 who had the Marvel after credit scene to introduce him, reintroduce him. That was fun. I just loved the night. It was a really, really strong show, like I said. Yeah, no, 100%. And Justin, what was your favorite moment of the night or moments of the night? Um, the North. The North is, uh, in my opinion, one of the most underrated uh, tag teams. Uh, they, they are awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, the North versus the Motor City Machine Guns, uh, which is going to be awesome. But just to echo what, what uh, SP3 says there, the, the surprises, they're awesome. I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm a fan of pro wrestling. Like he said, I'm going to echo a couple of your things that you said there, Sid. Uh, Deanna Perrazzo working an arm. My goodness, working a body part in professional wrestling in 2020. What's old is new again. I mean, stuff that makes sense. I mean, we'll get into stuff that doesn't make sense, I'm sure, in the second half here. But I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of buying and watching the work a body part. Jordan Grace looked phenomenal. Deanna Perrazzo looked phenomenal. That was a, a, a match that was presented as two, two great athletes. Um, the gauntlet match with the ladies, I love Kylie Ray. I'm a big fan of Kylie Ray's work. There was a couple different spots in there that I highlighted on Twitter where she, her ring expertise and professionalism saved them in a couple spots. Uh, what I thought is the, the issue in that, one of the issues with that gauntlet match is just like I acted with the WWE pay-per-view um, a few weeks back, the women in there and kind of cat catting at each other, yelling, doesn't make sense to me in a in a in a battle like this. I would just prefer that they show their strength and and, and they're coming at each other. Um, my main highlight is just the entire presentation of how they brought everybody in together, combining what they had with these new people. They had a lot of hype building up to this and they delivered. I'm, I'm used to in wrestling having a lot of hype and then um, over-promising and under-delivering. And these guys, I mean, it's, it's not like they under-promised. They promised, you know, they got us all hyped up for it. And I would say they delivered. And yep, right 100%. now... But my big thing before I, I said it during the during the thing that said every time I'm with you I, I use my arms more speaking I don't know what it is I just get excited about it. <laughs> but two things that that impact did I did not notice so much the crowd was absent they've got they had great commentary a lot of people disagree with me on that great commentary they let their action in the ring do the talking. So I got so much into the action that I, I realized, hey, I'm not noticing the lack of a crowd. And what they did is they didn't just build up for this. This is our big payoff, our big blow-off, anniversary, and then that's it. No, they, they've got this momentum going. Um, like I cannot wait for Tuesday uh, to see the North and the Motor City Machine Gun. So, I mean, well done. <coughs> Yeah, well, that was completely different from what you told me on the actual night, Justin. You said um, Johnny Bravo was your favorite part of the evening. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> Thanks for uh, Johnny Bravo. He, I, I would say he under-delivered, in my opinion. I'm, I'm not sure. I guess, you know, now that Impact has got me hooked, I'm going to watch and see 
where, why? I guess why? I'm going to find out why we had Johnny Bravo twice in a gauntlet match. Now, that to me that that takes a lot away from the. Uh, you had a ring full, those ladies. That's a lot of talent in there. And then I'm not sure where they were going. Excuse me, I have to cough. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a cough button. I don't. I don't have. A, we'll let it. We'll let that out. Could have muted. Get it out. Get it out. No, I got it. We're gonna edit this out, right? Danny. I gotta grab a drink. I'm yeah, sorry. Man. Don't worry. <laughs> He's choking up there. Choked up when I talk about impact. Yes. It's getting you emotional. Johnny Bravo. <laughs> I honestly, have you guys ever heard of that guy before? No, not before Impact, no. Yeah. 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 See. Okay, and three, two, one, I'm back. So the Gauntlet match, SP3, would you say that was probably the low, the low point of the evening from the event? Yeah, I would agree that the Gauntlet match was the worst match on the show. But I won't say it was the, the, the lowest point for me because it was a match that I felt was better, but only because three out of the four performers are top-notch and the other performer was 56 years old. And that is the Impact Tag Team title match between the North, Sammy Callahan, and Ken Shamrock. See, Ken Shamrock, I never, I've never had a match where the first five minutes I'm like, Wow, this guy's 56 years old. Oh my God, he looks, he looks incredible. He's in great shape. He's doing what he needs to do very well. And then all of a sudden the match went off a of deep end and he just started doing the weirdest stuff. That one point where I think him and Sammy did a, a double team move. Sammy does a power driver, pins Josh Alexander. And literally Ken Shamrock is just standing there like, like this for five Good. It felt like five minutes. It probably was like 30 seconds, but it felt like an eternity. He just stood there like this. Ethan Page went around him, broke up the pin. Like, you didn't even stop him from breaking up the pin so you could win the titles. And then he did, did a belly-to-belly uh, -belly that looked okay, but it looked like he just lost his mind in the middle of the belly-to-belly -belly from the top rope. And then he did that dive where the North moved like five minutes before the dude even started running and the dude still ran did a plancha tripped over the top rope fell on the floor it looked so bad ah the, the the gauntlet was a lot of mistime and awkward spots but this was the the ken shamrock hot tag was my lowest point of the evening that's fair no, that's a fair uh, a fair assessment of that and justin would you would you agree there I will. I mean, it looked rough, but my hat is still off to Ken, uh, performing at a high level. But, you know, what I think happens is, um, man, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say this. I won't quote a source, but I have it from a very good source that at Bound for Glory, Shamrock versus Moose. Um, and edit this out if we have to. We'll have to discuss it. But I have it on good authority that that was Ken's first time in the ring. Like, he didn't get in the ring to shake off the ring rust. He just said, F it, let's go. And he jumped in the ring with Moose and performed at a high level. Um, the, the finish to that was tough because I, I will say from experience, a lot of times it's not so much what you're doing in the ring physically, but mentally getting in and performing at a pay-per-view where um, you've probably got a lot of different directions, whoever's agenting the match match you know my at my age even when i was younger too sometimes your your brain gets the best of you and i imagine that could happen with with ken as well so yeah while it didn't come off um the best um and i'm not saying that you're saying this at all sid but um i do all due respect we still love ken shamrock and and we'll give him a give him a pass on it but i'm not saying we're we're raking them over the coals, but yeah, it does look bad. And I think if anybody can pick themselves up from this, it's Ken. I don't think um, 
that showing is saying that a hey, old man it's time i mean 56 is up there but dude can you imagine looking like him at 56 I can't imagine. I would, I would love to look like him at fifty six. I'm not. I'm not saying anything wrong. I, all I'm saying is that Ken, if you didn't do it in 1998 when you were thirty something years old, I don't need you to do, try to do it at fifty six. Like that was scary. That plancha that he missed was scary to watch. I want. I like Ken Shamrock. I want him to live, and I want him to continue wrestling. <laughs> So stop doing things that you didn't do when you were in the prime of your career. I blame our good wrestling travel friend, PCO. That's who I blame for it because I tell you what, that dude is at his age doing stuff that he never did when he's younger. He's, he's crazy. No, no, I, I actually, we, we have a show on True Hill He called True Rewind, and we went back and watched the Jean-Pierre Lafitte versus Brett the Hitman Hart rivalry from the early days of 1995 on uh, Monday Night Raw. He was doing the exact same thing <laughs> that he was doing at 56 <laughs> at, like, 30 years old. So PCO is fine. PCO is fine what he's doing. Ken Shamrock, if you go back to 1998, he was not doing running planchas over the top rope. He's trying to do that because that's the style today. I get that, Ken. You're just not capable of doing that. And you have proved it. A couple of times on these pay-per-views, I'm just being a fan and maybe a friend and telling you, <laughs> I don't need you to do it. The best spot in that match was him and Josh Alexander doing the ankle lock. I just need him to do the ankle lock. Do some belly-to-bellies. The belly-to-belly from the top rope, it didn't come off the best, but do stuff like that. That was stuff you were doing. Don't do no projects. That was not what you did in 1998. I, I see where you're going, and I agree. Extend this, extend it, because with that body and the physical shape that he's in, he can do this another ten years. But you know, right? Ground and pound, ankle lock. Do what? You're right. You're right. I, I agree. I just don't want Ken coming at any of us. <laughs> yes, yes. I apologize, Ken, if you took offense to any of that. I am just coming. I am. I am not coming at you. I'm just making my observation. That's absolutely fair. But uh, speaking of uh, someone who is in great shape and looking phenomenal at this moment in time, what do we think of Moose coming out of Slammiversary? Because I thought it was quite an underrated performance from him on Saturday night. Hey, Justin, what, what were your thoughts? Um, I'm going to actually defer because uh, behind the scenes notes, we've already recorded this a little bit talked about it off camera and I want to start with Sid because he had a very good point when we were off the air I mean I I just really like the performance by Moose and the match with Tommy Dreamer exceeded expectations a lot it wasn't a I was not interested in in it at all I felt like Tommy Dreamer's promo work before the match was very strong and his promo where he was bleeding after Moose attacked him was one of his better ones in the last couple of years. But I just wasn't interested because in 1998, 1999, 2000 even, I was interested in any match Tommy Dreamer had in ECW. But in the year 2020, I'm sorry, Tommy. I'm not interested in any match you have. <laughs> like, I, if you were a mouthpiece for another performer, I'd be more interested because Tommy Dreamer is an incredible talker. And with the years, he's even got better with his promo ability. But just in the ring, I haven't seen a great Tommy Dreamer match in, in a very long time. But this was solid. This was very solid. They, they fit into what they, they wanted to do here. And Moose is just a great performer. He shows so much athleticism, doing moonsaults, the way he moves in the ring. His, even his storytelling has gotten better. And this delusional world champion character is the best version of Moose that we've ever seen. And I'll echo that. Yeah, I just didn't want to steal your thunder on that because you had brought up a valid point off camera. But yes, Moose has got another, another guy with the body of a Greek god. But like you said, until we've got this character with the, with the, uh, the championship belt, now I'm interested. Now we've got somewhere to go, somewhere to story tell. Uh, Sid, the other thing I want to say to you is I think that you should do a podcast called like 1998 because that seems like the theme here. 
You know, you're talking <laughs> about uh, PCO in 98, Tommy Dreamer in 98. And I also want to say, um, I love you, and I'm going to protect you till the end, but now you got us going to, you know, it's me and you against Shamrock and Tommy Dreamer, who you, you oh, risk, risk making angry. So, I mean, dude, I love you, but we're, we're going to, we, we got to keep, uh, we got to keep these guys happy. No, no, I get what you're saying. I, I've taken a kendo stick shot before, so I'm prepared for Dreamer. Oh, Ken, Ken, I apologize for anything you took offense to. <laughs> oh, fantastic. No, brilliant. So uh, the final thing on Slammiversary, um, I'll start with Justin, if, if you're happy with it this time. Uh, what was your final rating for the event? I'm going to give you my final rating, but I'm going to give you uh, a couple of my final thoughts. Lost in that women's match, Kylie Ray. Don't sleep on her. Um, even though that we had a couple goofy moments, that was her moment to shine, and she deserves all of that. She is um, super nice in person when you meet her, and she's great in the ring. Um, my final thought also is Impact did exactly what they needed to do. Um, they generated this interest beyond the pay-per-view, so hopefully people are searching their cable boxes and their satellite dishes and trying to find access. Um, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 because I don't think anything can get a perfect rating. They certainly weren't perfect, but they delivered. They delivered. And I always say it, I'll say it, they've got a lot of really their own talent, such as the North right now. I said it on Twitter. If you don't like the North, I would be willing to bet you five bucks. You just haven't watched them yet. And same with all, all this impact. If you if you're sleeping on impact, you're not watching, or you're you're on the keyboard, throwing impact under the bus. Do me a favor and watch it, and then get back to me. They're they're giving a solid effort, and they're getting a solid product. They need once they get to where they can get on a, a national or even international. TV feed and be easier to find. They're going to be uh, right up there. And that's best for business, best for the professional wrestling business. That impact, it, you know, climbs back up there with with the top tier stuff. So eight out of 10. SP3, your thoughts, your rating? Really solid show, uh, delivered nothing but good action. Another match we didn't really get to talk about too much. The Motor City Machine Guns versus the Rascals yeah. in the opener was a very a, a great way to set the tone. It was, And it was a reminder of the golden era of Impact Wrestling from 2006 through 2009 when it was probably the best alternative to the WWE. This was a reminder of that on this show. I gave the show overall 7 out of 10. Uh, the best match of the night, in my opinion, was Deanna Parazza versus uh, Jordan Grace. The surprises overall were good. Some delivered more than others. I think I mentioned about Heath kind of positioning him in the same position he left WWE. The Good Brothers uh, exposing that they were, they were signed from Impact Wrestling created a last-minute jolt in the buzz, but it did hurt their debut because I was expecting more, and I didn't really get that. It was nice for them to have that celebration with Eddie Edwards, but I just was expecting more from their debut. Definitely want to mention Eddie Edwards because he's been a, a stalwart for Impact Wrestling over the last couple of years, and he deserved winning the World Heavyweight Championship. And I love that it came down to him and Ace Austin. Ace Austin is a guy we got to keep our eye on because he's one of the, the real big stars that are going to come out of Impact Wrestling over the next year. So it was a very solid show, a very strong representation of the company, and definitely is going to get new fans onto Impact. Fantastic to know I agree with both your points there and I'm going to give it a, a solid seven as well then just for the, uh, the presentation everything went well for them the anticipation excitement coming out of it but um, those few low points okay if there was fans there I think that would have made it even more exciting but of course we can't have them there at this time but uh, yeah I'll go with a solid seven as well for impact but now moving on 
to the most exciting event of the weekend, the horror show. <laughs> extreme rules. Aptly named Where the horror shall show. Shall we begin? I had to add the, the scream if you've seen any of the advertisement. The horror show. <laughs> At extreme rules. <laughs> There's a lot of screaming throughout for what people were seeing on the show. Um, but uh, let's start with the eye for an eye match. Me and Justin have been speaking about this on our uh, sort of podcast, how we thought that was going to go down. Um, but we'll start with SB3. What were your thoughts on the eye for an eye match? I mean, the match itself was good. And hmm, what do you think? I said on Twitter, and we did our own uh, pay-per-view roundtable on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. If this was an Extreme Rules match, this would have been the best match on the card. This would have been a great match. They were doing great, the great stuff. These guys worked really well together. But they had the stupidest store stipulation. They could have possibly given this match. I would have preferred a blindfold match over this crap. Like, there was no type of believability that one of them was going to extract the eye from another person. But then we had the finish where they didn't even extract the eye from another person. They didn't even do something new. They literally redid the angle that started this whole thing, except this time, because Ray had an injured eye, it was very easy. Seth didn't even have to do it as long as he did it the first time. He just did it like that, mainly just pressed it at a particular angle, and the eye just popped out. And literally, I replayed it. I went back, and I was just like, nah, they didn't really just do this. Like, maybe I'm just, I'm, I, I, maybe I had one too many drinks. I only had one drink, but maybe I had it. I had one too many sips. Um, maybe I need to do it. But I rewind it, and yes, Rey Mysterio had the eyeball in his hand before the eye came out of his head. Uh, I, I'll let y'all continue. Y'all, y'all could. I, I, it hurts my head thinking about the, the, the finish to this match. It was, it, these two guys did not deserve the WWE creative around this. No, I remember leading up to the event, there was talk about it was going to be some sort of visual effect that was going to do it. So when we actually saw a thing there, it was, um, yeah, very bizarre. It didn't sit well, I don't think, with, with many people. Um, and especially with our good man here, Justin. What were your thoughts there, my friend? Uh, I was sad that my both of my eyes were not extracted prior. <laughs> Um, guys, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. There is, I'm going to let WWE in on this. You can gimmick shit too much. You can over gimmick a match. You can over gimmick a pay-per-view. Why? I'll echo what my good brother Sid just said. Make it an extreme rules regular match. Why are we, we don't, Nobody believed that you were going to actually extract an eye. The general public who doesn't watch wrestling now has another reason to look down their proverbial nose at pro wrestling and pro wrestling fans and go, what is this shit? There's no way. It wasn't, did you, do either of you believe or think anybody in WWE thought, hey, if we advertise this eye for an eye and you have to extract an eye, think about how many extra viewers it's going to bring in pal no no you've just given another opportunity and look at it today look at your twitter look at your internet are people going out of their minds going boy i can't believe they pulled no everybody's ragging on you why if you're the the biggest company and i hate to do this because i love pro wrestling and i want pro wrestling to thrive and survive but the biggest company, the one that we should be looking forward to do this gimmicky stuff over and over takes away from the overall product. And guess who thanks you very much? Impact Wrestling. Impact W-R-E-S-T-L-I-N-G. Wrestling. Not Impact gimmick stuff. Now, 
all companies do some sort of giving. So this was over the top. This did not help the business. This did not help yourselves. This, you have two great phenomenal wrestlers in Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. And if we're going kayfabe on this, if we're supposed to believe in everything, is good, how would you like to be the referee assigned to this? Shit. Oh, okay, my job, you're telling me my normal job I've been trained for is to, you know, count five in the corner, count the one, two, three, but now I have to watch and wait for an eyeball to pull up. And if the gimmick is pull out the eyeball, when it actually happens, the paramedics aren't already at ringside. I got to call them in. What the fuck? God, pardon my language. Come it, on. It's out. It's out. That was the call. It's out. It's out. It's out. What? Seriously, WWE? I would have preferred the CGI. I would have preferred the CGI and them doing it that way instead of a fake eyeball and puke. And puke. Oh. Like, like, and they gotta puke. And they, they didn't even get someone who's good at making himself puke. Seth obviously was shoving things down his mouth to throw up. Like, they showed it on camera. This was laughable. The, 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 the botchamania worthiness of this finish. And otherwise, besides this finish, it was a really good match. That's what makes it more frustrating. Yeah. How about advertising eye for an eye for the days and weeks, and then when is this shown? Mid, middle of the card? Middle of the card. Like, like the, and you gave no time to the fans that actually believe in kayfabe and needed time to adjust after just seeing Rey Mysterio lose an eye. They literally were just like, somber, somber voice. No, Oscar and Sasha. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, so moving on to a match that was great, but had a indifferent ending was Oscar versus Sasha Banks. Now, is Sasha the champion? Is she not? They left that wide open last night. SP three. What? What are your? What were your thoughts on that match? The outcome and. Is she the champion? I felt like this was a really good match. Borderline great match. And then it got to the finish. It's like, it's like the WWE just did not want to have great matches on this night because it literally they had to add a caveat to every single matchup, it seemed. And this was the biggest one right here because all we needed, we could have took a, a cheating finish with Sasha cheating to win because of Bailey. We could have had Bailey cost Sasha to win. We could have had a clean finish with Oscar winning. Not this. This is so convoluted. There's more of a question of who is the Raw Women's Champion more than people talking about how good this match is. It just wasn't necessary. I don't think uh, Sasha is the Raw Women's Champion. I believe that Asuka is still the Raw Women's Champion because a licensed official did not count the one, two, three. Bailey took off a t-shirt, put it on, count the one, two, three, and bullied a timekeeper to ring the bell. That's what happened. That's what I saw. That's the story <laughs> I'm sticking to. But they, the, the ladies definitely delivered at Extreme Rules. I also felt like Bailey versus Nikki Cross was a really strong matchup as well. But um, that finished, though. That finished. Yeah. Justin, how do you feel about the finish? My best Michaela Maroney there. But, uh, yeah. What? Why? Why? What are we doing here? What, you know, at some point, let's go back to the basics. Let's talk about Diana Perrazzo working a body part to a finish. Let's talk about some believability back in it's like every storyline needs to have this controversial thing is what wwe is looking for um to me and i hate ripping on companies because i love the business but when you're gonna do this when you blatantly don't love the business as much as the rest of us i gotta call you out on it do you think having a ridiculous stipulation 
a ridiculous controversial ending to every storyline going in your company. It's like, they're like, Hey, one of these things has, has to stick. And it doesn't. If you boil wrestling down into its basics and you stop looking at, I need this demographic. If you do the stuff, right. The fans will be there. That's what I believe. You already have the biggest platform. People will go to an indie show and call it like that WWE wrestling. They will call, it's like um, tissues are called Kleenex over here. It's called a Q-tip, not a cotton swab, because a brand has taken over. Wrestling is synonymous with the general public as WWE. You already have the big platform. You're going to deliver. I mean, it just seems to me that we're trying too hard to be something gimmicky, like I said at the beginning. Gimmick this, gimmick that. Um, I love Asuka, I love Sasha. I love the performers. I'm not saying they're 100% to blame because obviously they're not. You're doing, you're working a job just as the rest of us are working a, a nine to five. We do what we do because what our bosses tell us. Now, Bailey, I love Bailey, but let me ask you guys something. This heel Bailey, does she not come across as a bit of overacting in her promos and the things she said? Just like the art. Like, I'm really obviously trying to be such a bitch, and she doesn't need that. She could, a lot of people are evil without saying a whole lot of stuff. I just don't think she needs to. To, to speak so much in the way that they're having her talk. She comes across as, as not credible. Um, I think the way she talks plays into how I described her character over on uh, True Hill Heat. Her, uh, Bailey's character, you got to remember the, the origin of her character. The origin of her character was that she was an adult who played a child. She was a child, a child, uh, she had a childlike admiration for all the wrestlers. She was a kid. Then she grew up. She had to stand up to the bully that was Sasha Banks. And she stood up to Sasha, stood up to the bully in the playground, and won the, the NXT Women's Championship. Her entire run at the NXT Women's Championship is like the, the little 10-year-old girl who finally gets a job for herself. She's throwing out the papers. She's standing up for herself. She's making a buck for herself as a child. She's moving up in the world. Then she went to the main roster and it was kind of like going through puberty. She didn't know what was going on with her body. So many weird things was going on. She wasn't as popular as she once was in elementary school. And now Bailey has finally progressed to a teenager, but she's not the cheerleader. She's not the mean girl that we usually get. She is the class baller Victorian. She is the girl in school that accomplishes everything and has to be so obnoxious, so annoying about it that she is so over the top. And the only person that is on her level is her best friend because her best friend co-signs everything that she does. Bailey's character is so three-dimensional in that way that we have seen that development so well that I can describe it like that and everyone watching gets that because at, even if you're a boy you've you've grown up you've had a bully you've got your own job you had to grow up and become a teen you didn't know what was going on with your body so it doesn't matter male or female you have to understand that Bailey's character is evolved to a teenager but she is the the smartest girl in the school and she knows about it well, at my age, I'm not sure what's going on with my body either. <laughs> the fact that, and I'll say this, you explain it, you explain it very well. Very, very well. Now it kind of clicks in my head. But should I need to, should I need that explained to me though is my whole thing. I want to, I want to pull in the, I guess, here's the thing. You ever bring in a non-wrestling fan and say, hey, I'm watching Monday Night Raw, come and sit down. And it's a few years ago, and it's Roman Reigns on the microphone. And the crowd is obviously not with what he's saying, but he has to, per orders of WWE, stick to the script. And now it's just fucking weird. Like, he's not really – his comments just keep going through the booing or the cheering, whatever it is, and the crowd reaction doesn't make sense with it. 
that's how I am with Bailey. If I just come into it watching it, um, and I got to be honest with you guys, with the no fans during the coronavirus thing, it's been tough for me to keep track and, and keep watching everything that's on. The last couple of times I saw her, she does seem like she's overacting, but you make it make perfect sense. I get it now. I will still stick to my argument, though, is one of the things that WWE creative has to be thinking of is how do we – we always got to be pulling in new fans. How are we keeping them on that same loop of why she is what she is? Now, I know if I watch Days of Our Lives, a, a weekly soap opera, I'm probably going to have to go back up or ask somebody how it is. So, so I get it. It's just very well said. My hat's off to you because you explained it very well to me. It just takes me a little bit for my brain to get over like, yeah, but it, it sucks. It's hard to, <laughs> you're right. Nailed it. So, you nailed it. You nailed it. Thank you, Sid. You're welcome. we got to move on because I'm talking myself. I'm painting myself into a corner, Danny. <laughs> Help me out, brother. I'm tagging. We'll Hot swiftly tag. move on for you, mate. We'll swiftly move on. Um, so the, another fight on the card was another cinematic match between Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman, which main evented the show in it and ended the uh, the event. Um, I wouldn't say I was glued onto it like I was the Boneyard match at all. Um, I mean, what were your thoughts on on this SP three? Did you did you understand what was happening? Did you sort of enjoy it at all i said uh, i said to, to my friends at sports kita the best way uh, my my boss at sports kita he said and i quote this is the worst thing i've seen from wwe the whole year and i said you can only describe it as that or so bad i just couldn't look away and i couldn't stop laughing so there was a good portion of this. From the beginning, I was giving it a chance. I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a chance. And I, I like the production. I like the opening scene with Bray, you know, sitting in the rocking chair, Braun pulling up to him. The lights go out. How does the light go out in outside? But anyway, anyway, like, that was the first logic hole that I saw. And I was just like, that didn't make any sense. But okay. Uh, then Braun's fighting random people. And then Braun is attacked by Braun. And <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. I literally had to pause it. I was like, I'm crying. This is hilarious. And I was like, I have never seen a champion of any promotion go through the things that this man has gone through. He got jumped by random people. He got attacked and got, he got, got beat up by himself. He got beat up by a serpent. He got beat up by some more random people. He committed arson on national TV. He burned a man. He, he tried to drown another man. He then got drowned himself. He then got beat with a stick. He recovered from the stick, kicked another man into a swamp, thought it was over, we got the end credits, and then we came back because it's a horror film, yes. And then, in the end, he got eaten by a, a piranha or the fiend. So... Sounds like a typical day at the wrestling travel offices, then. <laughs> it does sound something very similar, yeah. <laughs> this was just bad... Bash it crazy, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, it, it was just, I, yeah, it was a swap match. <laughs> Justin, please, please tell me that you were going to give JJ the mic to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Give it that. Oh. It's, it's all it's all on JJ for the swamp match. Oh my God. <laughs> so my opinion on the swamp match that main evented the eye for an eye horror show WWE. Now listen, I'm a traditionalist. I did not want to give any of these starting with the boneyard. 
at WrestleMania, I did not want to give any of these cinematic matches a chance. Okay? And everybody was off their rocker about, oh, did you see the Boneyard match? And, oh, even the, the Fiend and John Cena match was, okay. you know, like even that was weird, but it was good. I like what they're doing. And then I thought, hey, if it's going to be popular, who am I to say anything? And we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm going to give these cinematic matches a chance. And I said, okay, great. I loved the, I went with the Money in the Bank match and said, hey, wasn't really going to be my cup of tea, but what else were they going to give us in the middle of this? At least they're trying, trying to do something. Now, somebody over at Creative said, hey, we did so good. The, the fans love the Boneyard match. The fans love this. Okay, so we're going to have this Swamp match. And my dear Lord, everything you said now, Braun Sturman, Bray Wyatt, great athletes, great people. So it's nothing on them. They're doing their job. Uh, my highlight was Alexa Bliss appearing as Sister Abigail or is Sister Abigail? I don't know. I don't know. But let's let's have a pay-per-view. That I'm gonna I'm gonna describe two different pay-per-views for you. You tell me what it was. Let's have a pay-per-view that we hype up. We have quality professional wrestling on. We settle some feuds. We make some new ones. We've got an influx of new talent, and we get you hyped up for the next show. Pay-per-view two. Let's have a pay-per-view with some cinematic matches, ridiculous gimmicks, and finishes on every match. And people will look forward to watching our show because they want to know what silly shit we're doing next. I mean, I don't like doing that. I want to support all things professional wrestling, but it's starting, I'm, I'm starting to sound like an angry vet. And I understand that, but you have my attention. Keep my attention. You can do, we've, I've sat through a lot of gimmicky stuff in my time as a fan, but it's getting to be too much. I mean, it, it, I, I would love people that love the Boneyard match compared to the Swamp match, okay? But now I want to see, does, do, do wrestling fans want more of this? I mean, what are we going to do? Are we going to pop it? What, now let's get back. It's WrestleMania 37. It's in L.A. The three of us are having a beverage of choice because we're all in L.A. together and, and having a good time, having lunch. Are we looking forward to going to the stadium and watching some great wrestling? Or are we looking forward to going to the stadium and all of us looking up at the screen and watching the next great cinematic match? Our truth versus Ric Flair for the 24-7 title. But it's going to be at the top of the Hilton Marriott in Atlanta, Georgia, baby. There you go. Come on. <laughs> I, I, dude, I love the fact that we got wrestling. I love that we are able to be in a world where I can criticize and hopefully um, still, look at, I'm going to go balls out on WWE and, and Sid, you're the one that's got to worry about Shamrock and Dreamer beating you up. I don't have to worry about anything. But uh, come on. When does it stop? How many more of these now cinematic? You, you could have done once a year Boneyard Undertaker type match a couple times a year, make it. But you've, you, we can do stuff at the Performance Center. Let's have wrestling. Please. Now it's like a once a month thing. Once every pay-per-view, they need a cinematic match. If there was a way to do them the, the right way, and I'm not saying I know what that is, but if you have to, you know, the AJ Undertaker match, people described it to me like it was a, a final fight scene in a movie. So you could suspend your disbelief for WrestleMania. Um, think back every week, in the world we're in a different mindset because of all this shit that's happening 
if you can think all the way back to the beginning of April, you were like, okay, man, at least we're having WrestleMania. I know at wrestling travel, because travel is in our name, we were worried about what was going to happen. And I don't even know. Uh, we, we had barely accepted the fact that we weren't at WrestleMania and that we sat and watched it and we gave it a chance. But I mean, if, if you're creating a new fan base on this, then create a new division. You got NXT, you got your SmackDown, you got your Raw, have cinema championship wrestling. Do it. All them fans can watch it. And guess what? When we get to WrestleMania, hey, we freaking that brand's doing good on its own. Let's watch a cinematic match at WrestleMania. But uh, like you said, can't do it every every month. It's overkill. I'm curious, Danny, where are you at on this? Yeah, I think it's, it should be one of those special things that should only be brought out when necessary, not sort of just for the sake of it. It sort of reminds me of these pay-per-view events over the last few years that have their own names, Hell in a Cell, Elimination Chamber, you know, those sort of get a bit repetitive now because you know they're coming at that point every year. You know it's going to be quite similar. That They're not a spectacle like they should be. So, yeah, I think any sort of cinematic match should be saved for a huge event, a huge rivalry, and um, should be as minimum as possible really yeah i feel like this whole era we're in now like danny said is kind of like uh we 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 knew when wwe has something good happen they just know how to overdo it and the the success of the authority figures of like visic man eric bischoff in the past led to the guest host era in 2009 on Monday Night Raw. In the same way, I feel like the success of these like branded pay-per-views such as Extreme Rules, uh, Money in the Bank, Hell in a Cell has led to now them having to brand those branded pay-per-views. Like we got the horror show at Extreme Rules. We had the greatest wrestling match ever at Backlash. We had the most unique Money in the Bank ladder match in history like what what is going to be for SummerSlam are we going to have a beach ball a beach ball match where the the wrestlers have to be bounced off of all the people in the crowd and the person who does it the fastest wins the match that's the it's the greatest party of the summer like it's going to be so, it's like when does it stop where is the line for WWE and I feel like there is none I have it I have it. You've just inspired me, my friend. We do need a beach match at SummerSlam. I want that shark that got f 5 by Brock Lesnar to come back. <laughs> right now, you start the build. And it's a, it's, it's, we, we go with Discovery. It's going to be the end of Shark Week. It's going to be the next Sharknado. That shark is pissed off, and it's pissed off at Brock Lesnar. No, or you play it into the current storylines and Braun makes his return with a Swamp Shark. And we have the Swamp Shark and Braun versus Bray and the Serpent at SummerSlam. Doesn't get any Man, bigger than that. It writes itself. I mean, what are we doing hosting a, a funky YouTube show and a podcast when we could be writing this stuff? I'm with you. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know what? I'm not, I'm going to change my tune. I want it to all be cinematic. And I want the sharks and I want the serpents and I want, I want beach balls. I want thunder sticks. Oh, no, I want them to watch NXT and go, <laughs> Hey, uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Even NXT is starting to, to, to blend into that main roster type of feel with, They've had people throwing up in the ring and had had hot shot typed angles and stuff. I if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get traditional professional wrestling, I don't mind the language barrier. I will watch New Japan Pro Wrestling or I will put on TNT on a Wednesday, watch AEW, or I enjoy shows like Samiversary. But WWE, I just enjoy it for sometimes how ridiculous it gets. 
right? And we kind of have to stay paying attention to them because we've all grown up on it. Um, was this a Raw or a SmackDown pay-per-view? With Are they doing that anymore? They're I not doing that anymore. We're missing a lot of really key people. When I look back at this show, like uh, I could have used the Street Profits. You know, I don't know where we are on COVID with everybody, um, but there's a lot. Of, I could have used, as advertised, MVP and Apollo Crews. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, uh, I, I, I got to send out prayers and thoughts to Apollo because I think everyone knows what uh, him not passing his physical before his match meant. So thoughts and prayers definitely to Apollo Crews. Yes, that goes from from us too. So, yeah, yeah what a what a mess. What a what a. I don't like. I said I'm going to say it a hundred times. I don't want to not like wrestling, but you're really making it tough for me. It's they're making it tough. Justin, there was there was one positive I can pull out of the pay per view, and that okay. was the first match the tables match we got new tag team champions on smackdown cesaro and shinsuke nakamura what did you think of that was that a a good start for you yeah yeah absolutely because i was starting to wonder um where's my boy cesaro um i'm a fan of him because uh just like um i always talk about the the lost moves of pro wrestling um tyson dukes you watch his twitter he's showing a lot of lost moves we had a good conversation about that the man who brought back the giant swing and shinsuke so i love the new day um but eventually i'm waiting for big e to split from the new day and go on that monster tear that he can but yeah no i'm happy with that i'm happy with new tag champions if you were gonna make me sit through all the gimmicky stuff at least Let's start a new era with some titles. So, yes, I was happy with that. Really, SP3, were you happy with that decision? Yeah, I really enjoyed the match. The match had a lot of uh, energy to it. It was a very fun opener. And just just a lot of great sequences between the two teams. They have great chemistry. And it made me realize how many goddamn tag teams has Cesaro been a part of that have versed the New Day? <laughs> like, he feuded with the New Day when they first turned heel, when he was Tyson, with Tyson Kidd. Yes, when Tyson Kidd was actually wrestling back in 2015. Then he formed the bar with Sheamus and feuded with the, with the New Day repeatedly for, year, for about, like, a two-year period. And now he's with, his, he's with Nakamura, and he's, once again, feuding with the New Day. It's just New Day versus Cesaro is the never-ending rivalry in the WWE, but it's never-ending because they're always a good match. No matter you put him in the ring with Kofi, you put him in the ring with Big E, Xavier, it doesn't matter. Cesaro has a good match. Him and, and Nakamura make a good team. Uh, I like Nakamura in a tag team a lot more than on his own because it's not the Shinsuke Nakamura I I became a fan of in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and it hasn't been that really since the Royal Rumble 2018. But in a tag team form, I think that's the best place for it. I'll uh, I'll jump on this because I recently got myself a TikTok only so I could like Wrestling Travels TikTok. So I started putting wrestling clips up. When I go through my phone and look at the clips, lo and behold, the Monday after SummerSlam last year on the WWE main event, Cesaro was on there in a tag team. Can you guys tell me who his tag team partner was that night? The Monday after SummerSlam. It wasn't Cesaro? Oh, Cesaro, who was Cesaro's tag team I mean, partner? oh, uh, I mean, it wasn't uh, Sheamus? I was say, it wasn't Cesaro. Were you going back to the Swamp Match on me? It was <laughs> exactly. not Sheamus. <laughs> that, you know, normally I look at you like you're crazy, but now I'm like, oh, no, it was, he did not tag with himself. Danny? <laughs> That's a, a legitimate question now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've probably seen the video, and I can't remember. I'm going to go with uh, Sami Zayn. EC3. 
And I was like, whoa, this is the start of something kind of cool because they weren't doing much with EC3. But alas, that might have been their only tag team match. At least I have fan cam footage that I'll share with both of you. Appreciate, appreciate so it. So see how I tied in the two pay-per-views there at the end? Fusion. <laughs> Beautiful. Another match on the card. We got the WWE title match between Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Ziggler picking his um, his own stipulations there. I mean, leading into that match, there wasn't really much. Well, I didn't think anticipation for it. We sort of knew what the outcome was going to be either way. Um, but did you think the the stipulation was cool? Did you sort of think as maybe a casual fan, you might think that Drew was going to going to lose it if you were watching it in that way? Um, if you're like a really casual fan that probably just started watching a year ago or this year, then yeah, they did a really good job of making you believe that Drew had a chance to lose here. They stacked the deck against Drew. It was really like the Roman Reigns, John Cena type of booking with, with Drew. And he, he, looked, he looked a lot stronger than those guys usually look in those situations because he was stopping Dolph at using the weapons early on. And then he was able to overcome all of that in the end. Uh, it was a really good match. I just always knew the ending i always knew what the outcome would be so it made it very difficult to really get into it like i wanted to but it was a strong match uh i just feel like if you if you've been watching wwe for the past couple of years you know Dolph ziggler is the biggest loser in the world and i i didn't think it was possible but the outcome of this match made him look like even bigger of a loser justin your thoughts yeah, um, and we have about 10 minutes to go, fellas, um, just so you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, an Extreme Rules match at Extreme Rules, great. Dolph Ziggler, when are we going to figure out that he is one of the best carpenters that they have right there? Um, let's, uh, uh, let's use him. Um, getting, watching Dolph towards the end, kicking the hell out of Drew, and then Drew coming back with that Claymore. And just, I was like, Beautiful ah, I love Drew. I love golf. It's almost sad that we have to have a loser in matches like this. So, um, yeah, one of the one of the better matches in the night. So to wrap things up, what was your overall thoughts of Extreme Rules, and can you give it a rating out of ten? SP three. Overall thoughts and Extreme Rules was it was good matches. Uh, good to great performances from all the performers on the card. But the least valuable player, since I can't name every member of the creative team, I will just name one, Mr. Bruce Pritchard. Who the hell booked this shit? I, I, I don't know. Like, they just, they just campered some of the great performances we had from the WWE superstars on the night. I gave this show a 5 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to echo your statement. Um, you know, I don't even know how they keep track of ratings. If you have a million subscribers, can you tell who's watching it? I mean, I, I know how I can keep track of the ratings by going on Twitter and watching everybody. Um, again, my hats are off to all of the performers, athletes, referees, officials um, that are there doing what they are asked to do but some at some point uh creative needs and i know what it is you can ask people behind the scenes creative well these three idiots on this podcast don't run the show we don't but look at your audience try what what happened when they shane stephanie and vince came out and said we're gonna give you more of what you want i mean Seems like so long ago. It does. And I, I know maybe you can't give me exactly what I want because of the coronavirus, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be hard on you guys and give you a 3 out of 10, only because if for some reason you were to listen to my opinion and want to improve it, you, you might go, okay, we got a 3. Let's try to step it up. Let's try to, I don't know, work a body part, use psychology in professional wrestling and 
and maybe start your own cinematic league somewhere else, you know, and bring it in. I, three out of 10. I love you, WWE, but you broke my heart. Yeah, not a great showing at all for um, for WWE. I'm probably going to go for a, th maybe a three or a four. I mean, doing the blog last night for Wrestling Travel, just some of the stuff that I was typing out was uh, it was hard to do. Um, but um, but yeah, overall, coming out of it, you were just thinking, what the hell have we just watched? Um, it can surely it can only get better from here. Um, but I mean, we've got Randy Orton Big Show tonight, we unsanctioned match, um, which will probably also, I guess, will lead to Randy facing Drew um, at SummerSlam there. Um, but yeah, a very low rating from me on that. A uh, quick question: How did uh, True Heel Heat do on their predictions? Um, I got Bailey right. I got Drew right. Uh, I got Oscar wrong, apparently. Uh, I got Bray right if if you if you count Bray winning that, and I got That's Seth Rollins it. right. Very good. And, oh, I didn't predict uh, New Day versus Cesaro and Shinsuke. I didn't even know that was on the card until Friday on SmackDown. Yeah, I didn't even know until the the event actually started, and then all of a sudden it was a tables match. I thought because I didn't watch SmackDown, I, I didn't know, so it was a pleasant surprise. But yeah, quite. Uh, I what was going. It was great, but yeah, I'd like to thank you both then for joining us on the uh, review review, and thank you to SB3 for stepping in um, very late on due to the uh, uh, to Brittany Nicole's uh, feeling unwell there, so she'll be back very soon, um, but it's been great to have you on, and we'll see you next time, uh, probably for SummerSlam. Yeah, Real quick, we got a couple minutes. Give me your plugs. Where can we find True Hill Heat? Where can we tune in to JJ's review of the horror show. <laughs> well, you can check us out on uh, True Hill Heat. If you like the audio version of our podcast, you can find us on acre.fm slash True Hill Heat. That's T-R-U-H-E-E-L-H-E-A-T. Or if you're visual, it's right behind me right here. I, we're also on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash True Hill Heat. Every Saturday, we drop our True Hill Heat uh, podcast where we go through all the latest news. And yes, our resident True Hill alcoholic top guy, JJ, will be there to react to the swap match and the eye for an eye match. Uh, Miss Chrissy Love, she also joined me for our Extreme Rules pay-per-view roundtable where we discussed all this stuff just like you guys. But thank you so much for allowing me to join you guys. Danny, you're awesome. You're a great host of this. Justin, you already know, good brother. We loved having you on True Hill Heat. You're an incredible host for the lockdown sessions. And Wrestling Travel is just doing great stuff, just great contact, whether it's the blogs, whether it's the YouTube channel, whether you're wanting to go to your next great wrestling event. Once you're out of this pandemic, hit up the guys at Wrestling Travel. This is why True Hill Heat loves them. <laughs>